It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 262. Uh, Quantum is a podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world. Uh, normally I record this in Australia, but for these few weeks just now, I'm recording it back in my native country of Scotland. And uh, I want to begin with just a, a note. There's quite a few people contacted me this week, and this is from uh, Jerry in the USA, who wrote and... Uh, thanked me for the Coffee and Colossians uh, videos that we do and says that he enjoys listening to this quantum whilst walking with his dog Bella. So uh, Jerry, I hope your dog enjoys this. But I tell you what, we're going to begin with a couple of obituaries. First of all, you know who this is. That's uh, Randy Meissner of the Eagles singing Take It to the Limit, uh, absolutely brilliant song. And uh, Meissner died last week, aged 77. Um, I love the song in so many ways. Uh, I think when what we're trying to do in terms of the podcast, people say about taking it to the limit, you know, Keep on turning out. The dreams I've seen lately keep on turning out and burning out and turning out the same. So put me on a highway. Show me a sign. Take it to the limit. You can spend all your time making money. You can spend all your love making time. If it all fell to pieces tomorrow, would you still be mine? And when you're looking for your freedom, nobody seems to care and you can't find the door. Can't find it anywhere when there's nothing to believe in. Still, you're coming back. Well... We do try and examine things, if you like, up to the limit. But many of us do feel that we're banging our head against a brick wall or 
we need signs or something. And one of the things that we try and do on this podcast is look at news and try and give us some hope from a Christian perspective. And someone was, who was in desperate need of hope is another person who has died. Here's Sinead. I just felt so sad hearing about her death. She's a very, I think she was a very honest person and I think a very, very tortured person. Um, that song, Nothing Compares to You. Nothing can stop these lonely tears from falling. Tell me, baby, where did I go wrong? I put my arms around every boy I see, but they'd only remind me of you. I went to the doctor, guess what he told me, guess what he told me. He said, girl, you better try to have fun no matter what you do, but he's a fool. I think Sinead Marie Bernadette O'Connor, born in 1966, died the 26th of July, 2023, age 56. We don't yet know how, um, people speculate. Uh, the police say it wasn't suspicious. Now, uh, I read an article on Premier Christianity where they were talking about Sinead being a prophetess. I don't think so. Do you know, in 1999, I mean, she, she came from an abusive background, particularly her mother, and she felt very much abused by the religion. Her mother was devoutly Catholic, but also incredibly abusive. In 1999, she was ordained as a Latin Tridentine priest and took the name Mother Bernadette Mary. In 2017, she changed her legal name to Magda David, and in 2019, after converting to Islam, she became Shudada Sadaquat. Um, she had at least four known partners. She was a very controversial character, not least because of this. We find it necessary. We know we will win. We have confidence in the victory of good over evil. Fight the real enemy. Now that was her ripping up the picture of the Pope in 1992 on Saturday Night Live. Um, you can understand the anger and you can 
understand the pain, a lot of the pain that she went through. But she wasn't a prophet or a priest, as this article says, because a prophet is someone who speaks the word of God, not just challenge the authority. And, and there was a great deal of confusion in there. You just feel it so, so, so much that she needed somebody to take all the hurt inside her and point her to Christ. I'm going to, you know, as I say, I love her music. And here's another piece, The Emperor's New Clothes. Emperor's New Clothes is such a brilliant song as well. And at the line, they laugh because they know they are untouchable, not because what I said was wrong. I do think there's a searing honesty in pain, but she wasn't a, a, a prophet. And, and she was a deeply damaged and disturbed individual. I pray that she had found peace before she died. Okay, I'm going to do some feedback on the climate change issue because I'm here in the United Kingdom and uh, I do want to thank somebody who contacted me. I, I haven't asked your permission to do this, so I won't use your name, but you know who you are and you gave me criticism that was critical but constructive. And um, <clears throat> you asked or implied suggestions about some of the things that I, I tend to be quite negative about all of the climate climate change, what I call alarmism. And yes, that's true, I do. But I do believe that human beings can damage the planet. I don't believe that God's sovereignty means that we can't. I think sometimes he lets us do that. I believe we can trash our own home. We can be bad stewards. And I do think that climate change, uh, some of that is influenced by humanity. The question for me is how much and whether the current alarmism justifies that is justified. And also the question is, what can we do about it? So just several items that came up. I'm here in uh, the UK at the moment, and it seems to me the BBC is totally obsessed with climate change. And I mean totally obsessed. Every news bulletin, almost, it seems like every discussion program. So I came across some stuff as follow up from last week, the Rhodes fires, for example, it turns out that they were caused as much by the government's green policies forbidding the cutting back of trees. Now, he had a similar situation in Australia a couple of years back. 
And again, that always just suggests to me that issues are much more complex than we realise. And then it, it, again, it's fascinating. My brother has an electric car and um, in the Highlands, you used to get to refuel, if you like, or recharge your electric car for nothing. Now it costs more than it does to fuel a petrol car. So, you know, we have to be so careful with all of this. And then here's this extraordinary clip from John Kerry. Agriculture contributes about 33% of all the emissions of the world, uh, depending a little bit on how you count it, but it's anywhere from 26 to 33. And we can't get to net zero. We don't get this job done unless agriculture is front and center as part of the solution. But with a growing population on the planet, we just crossed the threshold of 8 billion fellow citizens around the world. We just crossed that in this last year. Emissions from the food system alone are projected to cause another half a degree of warming by mid-century on the current course that we are today. A two-degree future could result in an additional 600 million people not getting enough to eat. And you just can't continue to both warm the planet while also expecting to feed it. Doesn't work. I think it was Jordan Peterson who retweeted that. And he's basically saying that destruction of the farming industry is essential. But you'll get what he said just at the end there, that 600,000, 600 million people could be in danger of shortage of food because of climate change. And yet he's suggesting cutting down on the agriculture which provides the food. He, you know, the elites who are always going to get plenty of food are quite happy to see food cut back. That, that's what's been going on in the Netherlands. And then I came across this information. And again, those of you who know more than I do, you can correct me on it. But the IPCC report uh, in 2021 concluded that climate change has not yet emerged beyond natural variability for the following phenomena. River floods, heavy precipitation and pluvial floods, landslides, drought all types, severe windstorms, tropical cyclones, sand and dust storms, heavy snowfall and ice storms, hail, snow, avalanche, coastal flooding, marine heat waves. And right now what we're experiencing is a marine heat wave. And the IPCC report, the latest one, said we do not know if that is because of man-made climate change. There is, they do say, however, they're pretty, they have high confidence that uh, climate change is responsible for heat extremes in most land regions. Another piece of information. I find all this quite fascinating. Um, Claire Lehmann in The Australian talks about how German-American energy economist Robert Edel finds that when taking into account the full cost of renewables to an energy system, solar is 14 times more costly than nuclear energy and wind is 4.7 times more costly. And then we didn't have enough space to do this last week. So um, here's a wee clip from a movie that I actually really liked. Jack, all you have is a theory. It's been raining like this for three days now. Mr. Vice President, if we don't act now, it's going to be too late. I'm afraid that time has come and gone, my friend. What can we do? Save as many as you can. 
That's the day after tomorrow. And who needs a movie when you have the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres? Humanity is in the hot seat. The consequences are clear and they are tragic. Children swept away by monsoon rains, families running from the flames, workers collapsing in scorching heat. And for scientists, it is unequivocal. Humans are to blame. All this is entirely consistent with predictions and repeated warnings. The only surprise is the speed of the change. The era of global warming has ended. The era, the era of global boiling has arrived. <laughs> wow. You know, it's unbreathable. We can't breathe. Yet yeah, we're all breathing. The oceans are boiling or the planet is boiling. No, the planet is not boiling. And such exaggeration doesn't help. It's fascinating. Uh, last week, just as I recorded, The Guardian were putting out something about how the, there was an imminent, imminent collapse of the Atlantic meridional overturning circulation, likely to collapse by 2057, possibly as early as 2025. Now, the AMOC is a flow across the entire ocean carrying warmer surface waters northwards towards the UK and Greenland. It's why, on the, I remember in the Achtibu in the west coast of Scotland, you could see a, a tropical tree. It's not the same as the, the Gulf Stream. Now, if there were this collapse, it would be absolutely terrifying. And yet, scientists have now warned, no, this is way over the top. Uh, and, but, see, the media want to go for this day after tomorrow stuff. They want to say, no, the era of global warming is ending. The era of global boiling has arrived. No, it hasn't. Okay, another follow-up thing from the NatWest Bank. Um, now, there was the scandal that we mentioned about Coots and NatWest and Nigel Farage and so on. But I think the bigger scandal is that pre-tax operating profits soared by 37% for NatWest to 3.6 billion, much of it due to the boosts from rising interest rates, which it hasn't passed on to savers. NatWest, remember, used to be the Royal Bank of Scotland, who almost bankrupt the whole world economy. It seems the more things change, the more things stay the same. All right, we're gonna to go to a country where uh, somebody uh, from that country wrote me. Uh, he will know where this is. I wonder if you do. Let's play the national anthem. is the national anthem of Colombia. Uh, Colombia is a big nation. It's 1,141,000 square kilometers, which is about 15 times the size of Scotland. It has 50 million people. 
It has uh, a former guerrilla, President Gustavo Petro, who in June 2022, last year, became the president, the first, the country's first leftist president. Uh, since the 1960s, some of you may be aware the country has had kind of civil war, really, between government forces, leftist guerrilla groups and right-wing paramilitaries. That escalated particularly in the 1990s in the rural areas. And of course, we're aware that Colombia is a centre for drug cartels. Now, I picked up a lot of information from it. I find this a really good source. People ask what your sources are. Well, I try and take a variety of sources everywhere from The Guardian, The Spectator and so on, BBC and elsewhere. But I find Al Jazeera to be very interesting. And uh, their news headlines for Colombia for this week include uh, a ceasefire with the ELN rebels, which uh, could be good news. The police have arrested the president's son on charge of money laundering and illicit enrichment. And uh, at least 12 people are dead and about 20 missing in the aftermath of landslides caused by heavy rain in central Colombia. By the way, we talk about corrupt South American di dictatorships or countries, but the police are arresting the president's son in Colombia. They're not doing it in the US, are they? And a piece of good news on the climate front, deforestation in Colombia dropped by 29% in 2022. And I think by about 30% in Brazil as well. And the Colombian football team are top of their group in the World Cup at the moment. Let me go back to the anthem. O unfading glory, O immortal joy, in furrows of pain, goodness now germinates. All of humanity moans within its chains, understands the words of he who died on the cross. Brilliant. I love that, actually. Um, and that's thanks to Robert in Colombia, who sent me a link to this next article. Listen to this. This week, a Senate committee has been looking into the Babies Born Alive bill. It's a bill that's pretty hard to believe that we need in Australia. The issue of abortion in this country is horribly polarising. And while I'm not a fan, I can understand that there are some people who think differently. It's in the interests of the powerful pro-abortion lobby that it be framed as an extreme issue, though, because it scares away normal people from a conversation about the common ground that most people should be able to agree on here. Now, when a late-term abortion happens in this country, it occasionally is the case that a child who was not supposed to survive that procedure is instead born alive. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, I'm talking about having a heartbeat, the ability to cry, breathing. Some states don't collect data on how often this happens, but Queensland and Victoria do. And between 2010 and 2020, this occurred 724 times. Here's the problem the bill seeks to solve. When this awful situation arises, and I really am sorry that this is distressing, the baby, just born, is left to die, to cry it out without medical care, without pain relief, in some states without so much as the comfort of a hug. That's such a distressing piece of news. I mean, it's not distressing that the former Senator Amanda Stoker has uh, brought this up and good for her. But the fact that 724 times between 2010 and 2020 in the states of Queensland and Victoria Babies were just left to die. We're supposed to be a civilised society. 
Okay, let's do a bit of world news in Niger. This is important. Ce jour, 26 juillet 2023, nos forces de défense et de sécurité réunies au sein du Conseil national pour la sauvegarde de la patrie, CLSP, avons décidé de mettre fin au régime que vous connaissez. Cela fait suite. That was soldiers in the West African country of Niger. This is not Nigeria, but Niger announced a coup. The President Mohamed Bazoum has been held by troops from the Presidential Guard. Bazoum is a key Western ally, US Secretary of State Antony Blinken. He's promised Washington's unwavering support. Both Mali and Burkina Faso, her neighboring countries in West Africa, have experienced coups triggered by jihadist uprisings and they have uh, been very influenced by the Wagner Group. Uh, they're partnering with that rather than the French. Now it can be argued, and I think it could be argued, that the French have been disastrous in uh, Africa. And the fact that Burkina Faso, Central African Republic, and Mali have all decided they'd rather work with Russia's Wagner mercenaries than any Western force is profoundly disturbing, not least for the people of these countries, but also for the West. France does a lot, has a lot of nuclear power, it needs uranium, and it gets a good amount of uranium uh, from Niger. Whether that will continue or not, we don't know. All right, um, I can't believe that this subject has come up again, but it has, and it will come up again. Um, do you believe in UFOs? I mean, I believe there are unidentified flying objects, but are they aliens? Well, None of you will remember this. We're all too young. Ladies and gentlemen, the director of the Mercury Theatre and star of these broadcasts, Orson Welles. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, and yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacence, people went to and fro over the earth about their little affairs, serene in the assurance of their dominion over this small, spinning fragment of solar driftwood, which by chance or design Man has inherited out of the dark mystery of time and space. But that was in 1938. The American radio network, CBS, that was the broadcast of H.G. Wells' novel, The War of the Worlds. Now, the script made it sound like live breaking news. Uh, and there were people who actually believed that the Earth was being invaded by Martians. Um, until... The, the people were terrified by that until it was pointed out that it, later on that it was a drama. Now, the reason this has come up now is that the American intelligence official David Grush has made some sensational claims saying that the US has hard evidence that Earth has been visited by a non-human intelligence, namely it has alien bodies in its possessions, or in his words, non-human spacecraft and dead pilots. And he thinks this is being covered up. Uh, I'd, I'm sceptical, let's put it that way. Um, although I do remember, now I haven't 
read this, so I do need, if anyone has, you can give me the information. Thomas Chalmers, the Scottish theologian in the 19th century, wrote a book called Astronomical Discourses, apparently in which he speculated on whether there could be life on other planets. And there's an excellent article in Premier from Matthew Helstead uh, having a look at it. So maybe we'll return to this one. Um, but I, I can't resist playing a track from one of the greatest albums of all time, and for me, the greatest concept album. Let's just play a, a little bit of this. That's Jeff Wayne's uh, War of the Worlds. All right, uh, I don't need much excuse to play this again, but here we go. Last time, I think, this ashes anyway. won the last test in the Ashes, which was, uh, that made it a draw overall, which meant Australia retained the Ashes, but I, I suspect many people, it was just, it was just brilliant sport. And if you're not into cricket, there's nothing I can do for you. And then scripture in song. Again, thank you for the person who wrote me and suggested this one. It's not exactly scripture in song, but it certainly talks about the Bible and having a friend in Jesus. Here's a little bit of Norman Greenbaum's Spirit in the Sky.
I mean, theology's all over the place. I've never been a sinner. I never sinned. I got a friend in Jesus. No, you ain't got a friend in Jesus if you don't acknowledge your sin, because he came to die for your sin. But very <laughs> interesting song. Um, children's books. We've been looking at the top 20 children's books in the world, as decided by experts, and this is number five. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and an oozy smell, nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down on or to eat. It was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort. It had a perfectly round door like a porthole painted green with a shiny yellow brass knob in the exact middle. The door opened onto a tube-shaped hall like a tunnel, a very comfortable tunnel without smoke with panelled walls and floors tiled and carpeted, provided with polished chairs and lots and lots of pegs for hats and coats. The hobbit was very fond of visitors. The tunnel wound on and on. That's Andy Serkis um, from the Lord of the Rings films, Gollum. Uh, that's the opening lines of The Hobbit. And if you haven't read The Hobbit, you really should. Just a, a brilliant book, beautifully written for children and adults. And then it's the 80th, fifth anniversary of the creator of these characters. Dev's head, Danny Morgan. He thinks he's the undisputed leader and is a big fan of skulls. Sydney and Sydney Pie. Their parents weren't expecting twins and they couldn't think of another name. One of them prefers to be called Toots anyway, and she has a crush on Dennis. Herbert or Herbert Uber. His mum is French, so the H is silent and his sight is short. Patty Brown. With an appetite for life, not just food. He was born on Christmas Day. Percival Proudfoot Plugsley. Or just Plug. He's beautiful on the inside, apparently. Aristotle Smith, or Smithy. What he lacks in brains, he makes up for with stupidity. James Cameron, a.k.a. Spotty. This short, scrappy Scotsman has 976 spots and resists any attempt to remove them. Wilfred Womble resembles a tortoise with that turtleneck. And Cuthbert Cringeworthy, the intelligent bookworm. Phew. I think that covers everyone. Did I forget anything? That's the Beano, 85 years old this week. Now, <laughs> the Beano's changed a lot. I used to get the Beano. The Bash Street Crids have welcomed five classmates, Harsha, Mandy, Kajada, Mahira, and Stevie Starr. There's a hijab along the stripy shirts and school caps, plus a scientist in a wheelchair. And Fatty and Spotty have been renamed Freddy and Scotty to ensure that young people who have freckles, weight problems or acne are not taunted by their peers. The comic's creative director, Matt Sterling, freely admits that the comic has gone woke and that it has done so due to the influence of Inclusive Minds, a consultancy for people who are passionate about inclusion, diversity, equality and accessibility in children's literature. In other words, the, the Beano's about, it's about to go broke. Go woke, go broke. Wow.
Um, before we go, uh, this is Seek number three. Seek, of course, is a book that I've written for teenagers and for adults. 52 questions. This is question number three. Is the future capitalist or communist? Are we progressing to a better world? Is the future Western capitalism, Chinese communism or something else? And in the article, again, I'd, uh, the chapter, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. But I suggest that we need to be very careful of dystopian views. Uh, an imagined world or society in which people lead wretched, dehumanised or fearful lives. You think of shows like Black Mirror, 1984 books, like 1984 Brave New World, The Hunger Games, The Handmaid's Tale, Planet of the Apes, The Matrix and so on. People do have a lot of fears about the future of humanity. And uh, on, on the one hand, the notion of progression as being inevitable is a very dangerous belief. And the notion that we're just all about to die, whether from climate change or AI intelligence or nuclear war or another disease, is also, uh, I would say, harmful. And that goes in terms of political systems. And we need to look forward. We need to look to Christ and we need to look forward to the time when Christ will return. I've suggested some further reading, uh, That Hideous Strength from C.S. Lewis and a book called Black Mass by John Gray, which is not a Christian book, but shows how utopian beliefs like communism and to some extent capitalism as well are dangerous. All right, I am gonna go. Um, sorry if this may be a bit longer than usual. I do want to leave with um, Sinead. Um, here, here's a little bit of a beautiful song. Out of the depths I cry to you, oh Lord. Don't let my cries for mercy be If you keep a count of sins, oh, who would stand? But you have forgiveness in your hands. That's out of the depths, and mostly it comes from Psalm 30. And she then adds this, and to see you prisoner, oh, makes me weep. Nobody hears you screaming in the streets. And it's sad but true how the old saying goes, if God lived on earth, people would break his windows. Well, God did, did live on earth. They didn't break his windows, but they did kill him. And Jesus died for our sins and rose and is coming back. And that is our great hope. Nothing compares to him, nothing. If only Sinead had known that. And to say a prisoner Oh, makes me weak Nobody hears you screaming in 
And it's sad but true how the old saying goes If God lived on earth, people would break his windows And I was going to leave you with that song, but in a sense, it's a bit hopeless, so I can't resist it. I'm going to go back to Psalm 130 and the Gettys version mixture of the Scottish metrical and their uh, rewrite, if you like. And I think this is beautiful, the depth that comes from it. Listen, folks, thanks for listening. Um, Thanks to Peter for producing this. Thanks to those of you who support. Thanks for all of the feedback. There was loads last week. Uh, Please continue to send it in. Send me in your news and views. I can't use them all. There's so much I've had to leave out this week. But uh, God bless you. And please do pray for uh, the ongoing work that we're seeking to do. And just remember, if you're in the depths, you can cry to the Lord from them. He'll hear your cry. God bless you and bye. Fool, fool.